honesty hour, I did not know what I was doing in regards to launching this podcast. And I wouldn't have been able to do it without Anchor. Anchor makes starting a podcast super, super easy and allows you to not only use their platform to distribute the podcast, but you can even go on your phone or computer and record and edit the podcast right on their platform. Best of all, it's totally, totally free. So if you're interested in starting a podcast, download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. Thank you so much for tuning into the Strange On Purpose podcast. Uh, Today we had on Travis from Baseballism, CEO and co-founder of the brand. And I mean, his brand has done over $10 million last year. And it, it's really cool. I've been following him for so long and I got the opportunity to meet him in Portland, but to dive deeper into his story and just get little nuggets as to what him and his friends were are able to accomplish uh, to this point. Um, before we get rolling here, I wanted to make sure I shouted out Rochambeau Coffee, um, a proud supporter of the Strange on Purpose podcast. I mean, there's nothing we can say uh, in regards to her support and everything like that. So if you're in Milwaukee or if you want to come down, uh, come into town to get some coffee, make sure you stop by Rochambeau. It's a cool place. Uh, There's a ton of misfits there. Um, Here we go. Today I have on Travis. Travis, thanks for joining us today. Oh, always a pleasure. (laughs) Uh, Dude, I I have been following baseballism for a while um, and it's crazy to see how you have grown and how you have like been able to build um, what you have in arguably a short amount of time. Um, And I, I've seen it from the outside. Obviously there's, there's been nothing but hard work and probably some uh, dirty knees and some dirty elbows. Um, So just wanted to, um, get you to introduce yourself. Who, who are you? What do you do? And why do you do it? All right. So, um, I'm Travis Chalk. I'm the CEO of baseballism, also a co-founder. Um, I mean, why we do baseballism, we kind of stumbled upon it. Uh, <laughs> I used to be, I was working three jobs when I started baseball. I was a, a teacher, a coach, and I did personal training also. And so, uh, I just did it for some extra money out of my garage. And, um, it kind of just took off from there. Originally, baseballism was a baseball camp, though, that I started with my college teammates um, during the summers while we were in school and playing baseball. So it kind of went from a youth baseball camp, 20 kids a week for the summers. Um, we did that for two years. Uh, then we got real-life jobs. And uh, we <laughs> took a hiatus for five years. You know, we like we could, you can't make a living. As much as you want to, you can't make a living <laughs> off of running a, a youth baseball camp during the summers. I mean, maybe some people do, but it's real tough. Yeah. And so, you know, I was a teacher. Uh, my other buddy was a lawyer. Um, our, CEO, our current CFO, John Loomis, uh, worked for uh, OHSU, which is an um, academic medical center. And then we have another guy that worked for a uh, sports marketing uh, apparel firm. That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. And so, yeah. And so, like, what happened was we'd, we'd wear our old camp T-shirts around, around wherever, you know, go to the bars, going out. And people would always, where'd you get that T-shirt? Where'd you get that T-shirt? And I kind of put two and two together, and I was like, guys, we got to do something with this because everyone's asking where we got this T-shirt. So we made a, a small run of shirts six years ago while I was teaching uh, baseball lessons out of a baseball academy, and um, they sold in a couple of weeks. And I'm like, guys, we got something here, so we got to do something about it. And so started the operation out of my garage, and it's been uh, crazy ever since. That's awesome. And seeing the seeing you grow from uh, obviously that six years ago, like 
maybe I have something here, maybe I don't. Yeah, um, to yeah. the point you are now, uh, eight brick and mortar shops, correct or nine? Eight, eight, eight brick and mortars going on nine, uh, either this year or next year. But we're trying to open one a year here awesome. from here on out. Yeah. Are you, are you looking to get like in? Everywhere there's a, a, a team, a MLB influence or? So it's a combination of both. Um, yes, we, we like being out of baseball stadiums because obviously we know that baseball people are going to be there. But we have online metrics that suggest, you know, like for instance, like uh, Dodger Stadium. It's tough to be next to Dodger Stadium because it's in Chavez Ravine and it's isolated. Yeah. But we know we know that most of our customers come from California. So we know we got to be in L.A. So we're doing our due diligence now trying to figure out where to be. And, um, you know, is it a shopping center? Is it a strip mall? We don't know yet. So we're, we're just trying to figure that out. That's dope, man. That's really dope. And we, we chatted, uh, when I went out to Portland and I got to commend Portland as a whole, like you guys are the hospitality out there is ridiculous. Like we haven't felt the love that we, we got out there in a long time. So, uh, commend you guys for that. Um, sure. and just wanted to like that we had kind of we had me and you had a video that kind of went like LinkedIn viral. It um, did, man. I was surprised by that. And now that I'm <laughs> I'm uh, connected with you guys on LinkedIn, I'm like my LinkedIn is like way more fun to be on now because I see you guys all the time making videos. So you guys are content monsters. So I got to give you guys props for that because like for, for me, LinkedIn was just like uh, whatever, a resume. You know? connection whatever and but now i'm like on linkedin all out what is izzy doing now so it's it's pretty cool dude i appreciate that i appreciate yeah. that and and our our video went kind of linkedin viral and um a lot of people messaged me and a lot of people commented and they talked about culture and everybody is obsessed with culture these days yeah and you yeah. do things a little bit differently uh in the culture you focus on baseball wow voice crack baseball first and then yeah. uh like almost business second um, why, why do you go about that and how has that impacted baseballism? Well, for us, I mean, it's, it's, we work in a team environment. So for, for one, like if no matter how, how smart a person is or what they bring to the table, if you can't sit next to them and be comfortable and be at your best and have them at their best and, you know, and not hate their guts and you're, you're really happy to be there, you're going to work better together. And so you know, through trials and tribulations, we've kind of figured that out. But for the most part, you know, we've always stuck to our roots of, you know, baseball people hang out better with baseball people. And, yep. and the people that work the jobs here, you know, they know baseball. And so I don't have to, they know where I'm coming from. I know where they're coming from. We kind of were brought up the same way. So there's a lot, we have a lot in common with employees we hire and uh, it really helps us, you know, run things smoothly. That's awesome. That's awesome, dude. And it's, it's awesome that, you are putting a focus on that and whether it's like intentional or not, like yeah. there's, it's something that sets you apart from the competition because you are putting that first. Um, yeah. Because you yeah. know, at the end of the day, uh, like you said, baseball people know baseball people and your For customer sure. is a base, baseball person. Yeah. So uh, having that relatability and that almost it humanizes the brand because you know the type of person that you're you're talking to when you're chatting with a bot on your website yeah. or anything yeah. like that. And yeah. that's awesome. That's all. I yeah, commend the, you for the, that. The number one question we ask our like during job interviews is what is your connection with baseball? It's the, like no matter if you're applying for you know a creative director position or a warehouse position or logistics or whatever it is, it's always what's your connection with baseball? Yeah. And so I mean that's it's the number one question we ask. And if you don't have a good answer for that, then we uh, we can probably cut the interview a little bit short. <laughs> that's hilarious. Well, I'm gonna t I'm gonna turn that around on you. What 
like beforehand, um, before the brand, before anything, what was your connection with baseball? So, I mean, it's, it's evolved throughout the years, but I've played my whole life. Um, okay. went to school at university of Oregon after high school, didn't think I was going to play, but then I tried out for the, the club baseball team at university of Oregon. And it was kind of like a turning point in my life. And like when I really figured out what baseball meant to me, because obviously I'm Asian. Um, I came from Hawaii, born and raised in Hawaii, went to university of Oregon where there's like 3% Asian people. And so <laughs> I would, you know, I'd, I'd hang out with the, the Asian people and I didn't really get along with them. I'd hang out with the Hawaii people, which was like a dozen of us, and I didn't really get along with them. And then I, I hung out with the baseball guys, and I'm like, baseball is not just a game I played my whole life. This is this is where I'm from. Yeah, I'm, I am from baseball because the people that I relate to the most, the people that make me feel at home, are are baseball people. And so that's that's my relationship with baseball. It's it's basically everything, all the friends I have, you know, all the great memories I had, and like with my dad and my mom. It's a lot of it is is around baseball, and so. I have a deep relationship with baseball. I mean, I love it so much. And, and it's not and like coming from Hawaii, obviously we don't have a team. So yeah. it's not just, it's not, I'm not like a, a huge MLB fan, but I just love the game. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. And there's, there's, are you like coming from Hawaii? Do you, and now living in Portland, do you pledge allegiance to a specific team? I do not. Uh, well, starting baseball, I mean, it's kind of weird because guys start wearing our stuff. Yeah, and so no, I'm not really a team guy. I'm more of a player guy. So okay. Like J- Justin Turner, for example, he's like one of my favorite favorite guys because he wears our stuff, but also he's just a really great dude. You know, we did some charity work with him too, and so just just the good baseball guys that wear our stuff, man. Those are the guys I root for. Yeah, that's awesome, dude. That's awesome. And going back and like being able to sit down with 18 year old Travis, what would what would you tell yourself like at that point, maybe struggling to figure out what what the next move was, man. Like, yeah, I could tell 18 year old Travis. I mean, 18 year old Travis was a 2.3 <laughs> student in high school. Hey, that was 18 year old Izzy, too. Uh, oh, man. I was, <laughs> I was the worst student. But now that I look about it, I mean, I would just say, like, Travis, don't worry because the, the classes you're taking now, none of them have like the test that you would succeed at. I yeah. mean, like, like, I am good at things like being creative and, and just figuring things out. And there's not really a, a figure figure things out class. Like I always I always tell my friends, I'm like, man, if you if you, you sat me down and the test was on the first day of school and no one got to study, I'd be the smartest guy in the class. But after <laughs> studying and stuff, no. I, that's where I go downhill. If I have to study and prepare and like be meticulous about something and like concentrate on one thing for a long time and like memorize that math equation, I can't do that, man. Like I'm way I think of like a hundred things at a time. So I, I, I was just not good at school. <laughs> Gosh, I, I, a lot of people can attest to that. Like, um, we get it all the time. Like, Hey, Izzy, do you recommend I go to college? Hey, Izzy, do you think I should drop out of high school? And I'm like, Hey, if it wasn't for me going to college and getting that degree, no matter how much it sucked. And I, I, I didn't really like it. Um, if it wasn't for that, I wouldn't be in the place I am today. Oh, um, for sure. And for that's, sure. that's something that, um, a lot of people can, attest to whether it's um a lot of people have dropped out and really made it a thing honestly i'm um kylie is our intern and we hope to bring her on um full-time when she graduates in december uh next december but she'll be the the second college degree that we have and we've been able to do a lot because of everybody as a whole coming together and Mm. um it's it everybody comes from a different background. So whether you're a dropout or whether you're going for your doctorate, it really like it, 
really just depends on where you're going to take or where you're going to go after that getting that degree. Yep, for sure. I mean, college was for me, it was just I mean, like I liked college because it allowed me to just kind of test myself. Yeah. I mean, coming from, you know, you're 2000 miles away from from home, from Hawaii to, to Oregon. And if you get sick, you know, a lot of my friends, they're from Oregon. They went to U of O. They drive an hour and a half home or whatever it is. For me, if I got sick, man, I'm on my own. Yeah. So, like, I just really had to toughen up. And, I mean, it, and just figure things out, stuff, figure stuff out on my own. Like, yeah. food, whatever it is. Like, I didn't have the luxury of just, you know, hopping on a plane for an hour ride and going back home during the spring break or whatever. I was there. So, I mean, like, mental toughness and being able to be on your own and, and just like finding out who you are. That's, that's where college helped me. Not so much academically, but just, just figuring, being, being able to know that no matter what happens, I can, I can figure it out on my own. Yeah. And like you've accomplished so much after college. What's one thing that, uh, you wish you would have learned, like in a, whether it's a specific course or, um, just one, uh, class period, what's one thing that you wish you would have learned in college that you, you could have taken, um, once you graduated? I would say for me, like I know my weaknesses and I'm, I was never good with, with money and being able to like the financial side of the accounting. Like, like I said in high school, like I just, I, I hated math. Like <laughs> my, my attention span wasn't there for it. And so if I could really focus in on like finances and stuff like that, I think I would, but then again, if I could do that, I don't know if I would because I just hated math so much. <laughs> and so now, now we got a great CFO to handle that for me. So <laughs> I like that. But like, if I really, if I, if I could like know something, it would be finances because yeah. that's important. It's nuts. We get that. I ask that question every time because it's whether you're in high school or whether you're in college, everybody says that's the same answer. It's finances. And for yeah. me, it's the same thing. Like I'm doing all of our finances and we joke in the office, but it's really not that funny. I got a yeah. deep, I got a D plus in accounting in college and it's oh, like, man. Oh gosh, I know we're in the green and we're good, but like, am I doing it? Like I second guess myself so much. And now we have some help like freelancers yeah. and stuff like that, that are helping us out, making sh checking my work, basically making sure I'm good. Yeah. Um, but it's nuts how many people tell us the same thing, but oh, yeah. it's not like we're still learning the mitochondria of a cell in high school mm -hmm. and stuff like mm -hmm. that. And it's weird that I still remember that, but um, like moving forward and you made that jump from Hawaii to U of O what, what made you like want to be on your, on your own? Well, that's my mom. That's a hundred percent on my mom. She yeah. didn't want me. She kicked me off the island. I wanted to go stay home and go to the university of Hawaii, but she's like, She's a flight attendant, so she's been everywhere, and she she knew the benefit of being off the island because when you're in Hawaii, you know you live you live in a small world. Yeah, I mean you don't really know what's going on on the mainland. I mean you watch the news and stuff, but like it's it's just so different being being away from Hawaii than it is being on Hawaii and just being surrounded by the same people every day and and just just seeing the same surroundings every day. And so she knew that I needed to be off the island, and, and you know I thank her so much for that because. If it wasn't for her forcing me, like she didn't even allow me to turn in the application to the University of Hawaii. She was like, wow. you're going somewhere. <laughs> it's not here, but you're you're getting off this island because you need to, you know, be more cultured and be more rounded, well-rounded as a person. Yeah. And so it definitely worked, I think. I mean, it definitely worked to my advantage. Why U of O? Because uh, my cousin went to U of O. I didn't even visit before I went. I just went because <laughs> I want to stay in Hawaii. I was like, Mom, you want me to go? I don't, I don't even want to visit. I'm just going to stay home and I'll go wherever you want me to go. You're going to make a decision for me. So, And that's why I went to U of O. That's hilarious. Yeah. I mean, that, that makes the decision way easier. <laughs> it does. I mean, like, 
I didn't, I didn't want to leave the island. So I was just like, well, okay, all right. If I'm leaving, then I'm good with whatever. Yeah. That's, so she, that's hilarious, dude. And well, my cousin recommended it. So I just went there. Would you say like when your mom told you that, like, is that the most pivotal, pivotal moment in your life? You think making that jump to U of O? Oh man. Most pivotal moment in my life. I don't know if it was that. Um, I definitely think making the jump to start baseballism was probably the most pivotal moment in my life. Because when I started it, I had, you know, I was working three jobs. I was living paycheck to paycheck. And I kind of reflected on myself and I was just like, what am I good at? Like, what am I really good at? And I realized like in high school, like I wasn't the best student, but if you put me in a corner, I will figure my way out of it. Yeah. I will, I will. Like I will always end up on top somehow. So what I did was it was kind of like when Bruce Banner wants to turn into the Incredible Hulk, what does he do? He jumps out of an airplane, you know, and it forces him to turn into the Hulk. So I was just like, all right, I'm going to start this business. I'm going to take out 3500 bucks that I don't have. I'm going to get a credit card, find a credit card that was uh, no interest for a year, uh, put 1500 bucks of my savings into it. So I started the business with $5,000 that I basically didn't have. Oh. And, uh, and I just said, you know what? I'm either going to come out on top or I'm going to be screwed and – Luckily, I came out on top like, <laughs> I, like I did, like I did in high school with my two point three GPA. You know? That is top, nuts. So. That's an awesome story, man. And that's something that like everybody strives to do. What you did, and what what's some advice that you would give somebody that? Obviously, I don't think that you would give the the advice of yeah, take out a credit card and yeah, yeah. take some money out of savings. Like, what would you? What kind of advice would you give somebody like just starting out on their entrepreneurial journey? Man. So, man, so the two things I think an entrepreneur has to have is you got to have good vision and you got to have strong legs. And it's kind of like my thing where I kind of made up in my head. But when I say good vision, it doesn't mean you have to have 20-20 vision. When I say strong legs, it doesn't mean you have to have a 500-pound squat. If you have that, that'd be great. You can play yeah. NFL or something <laughs> like that, you know? But when I say good vision – like you have to have the ability to see what your end goal of your idea is, even even though it may be far off in the distance. Maybe you don't have a, a domain, you don't have a website, uh, you don't have an Instagram account or whatever it is, you don't have an LLC, but you're able to see where it is and kind of a, a rough way to get there. So that's kind of good vision. And like when I say strong legs, when you when you tell people about your idea, not everyone's going to be able to see it. Like for my parents, for example, they're like, stay, you got a good job being a teacher, just be a teacher. But I'm like, I have this vision and I want to do it, but how am I going to get other people to see it? Yeah. And so that's where, that's where strong legs got to, comes into play. You have to be able to carry people that can't see it. And so I was just like, you know what? I don't need your help. Jump on my back. I will carry you to, to a place where you can see my vision. And so entrepreneurs have to have strong legs because they're, they might be on their own for a little bit. But once you carry people to a place where they can see, oh, okay, now you got an order. Oh, no, you got a website. Oh, your Kickstarter is doing well. Then people will be like, oh, I see your vision now. And they'll be able to jump on board. So it's like good vision, strong legs, because you got to carry people and you got to be able to see it before it happens. And so that, that's, that's, that'd be my advice for anyone that wants to get into it. You got to be able to willing to grind with your, with your strong legs and you got to be able to kind of see where you want to be from a distance. Yeah. So yeah, good vision, strong legs, man. That's my advice. That dude, that's an amazing analogy. I haven't heard that one. That's the. I, oh yeah, I kind of I'll, thought that one up myself. But I'll I, probably I, take that from you. <laughs> yeah, it's good, man. Make the t-shirt. Good vision, <laughs> strong legs. <laughs> that's hilarious. Yeah, we what we like have done. Like I get a lot of people coming 
to me for advice. And I've only been doing this for 11 months. Uh, we've had a massive good stroke of fortune. And I think it's because we keep uh, posting videos on LinkedIn. Um, oh, but we, yeah. we've been like, honestly, we've been so lucky. And that's something um, that I, I have told people is like, hey, you have to be willing to put in the hard work in order to get somewhere because right now, like nowadays, if you've seen the fire festival documentary, oh, like that, yeah. all the, all that stuff has come out and they're all like, um, Oh, okay. Yeah. Like influencers, like, Oh, I'll have a Ferrari if I just do this or just do this. But like, they don't talk about like, they're actually renting that Ferrari or yeah, like all yeah. the hard work that it took to get that Ferrari. Yeah, and that's something yeah. that we have been able to like, that's something in 2019, we're going to talk about and we're going to talk about like, yo, we're, we're struggling right now. Like we're being completely honest, like, yo, yeah. we're struggling through this and we're going to be completely um, transparent. And it's something that our community uh, really cares about. And it's something mm -hmm. that the community wants to see because they don't want to see the, the same Instagram influencer post about, yo, yeah. just keep yeah. grinding. You'll be good. Like that type of stuff. Yeah. They yeah. want it. They want somebody that's relatable and the community is something that I want to touch on next because you um, like there's so many other brands out there, but you have built and you guys have built a community around baseballism that constantly supports you guys. What, yeah. what do you think you guys do differently? And it might be the culture thing, but what do you guys think? What do you think you guys do differently to make your customers not just be a, a one-time buyer, but something that's like almost a retainer? Well, I mean, you guys know this the best, but I mean, I think I think content is king. Yeah. Um, we produce our our own content, and it kind of comes from my my teaching background. Whereas, like, I kind of see it. Whereas, I'm running social media. Like, the the people that we're putting stuff out to are kind of my players. Yeah. And I want I want to teach them how to play the game, and and the game is you know the brand that we believe in, and so we create our own stuff, and it's 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 geared specifically towards towards our brand. Where you see a lot of brands out there, and they post you know like a Giancarlo Stanton hitting a home run and like it belongs to ESPN yeah. whatever it is and then they build their accounts that way but we try to make everything organic and it's, it's made by us so I think people truly believe we're a brand and then it's a brand that they can get on board with and the second thing is we always give back too is I mean we don't advertise it too much but when when teams ask us oh we have a fundraiser you know we're more than happy to you know give them an auction item or two and to help raise money for their trip to cooperstown or whatever it is or to raise money to build a new field so that kind of goes on behind the scenes but every time you help a team you know build a field or you know attain their goal of whatever it may be you get their whole team on board and we've probably given away in like hundreds of thousands of dollars over the past five years and um you know, when you, every time, like I said, every time you give a team, that's 12 people and their parents and it just, it just builds up and, and we do it because like we love baseball, but we know that, you know, doing, doing stuff for the people that buy from us. I mean, that means a lot. Yeah. So it's not just a, it's not just a one way street, you know, we're not just making money off of them. You know, like we're there to have their back and support them too. So, um, that means a lot to us. And I think people feel that and they know that when they buy from us. Yeah. And that's amazing, dude. Like the, the community thing is so it's, something that people kind of like push to the side. Like I, I used to work in sports. So I used to work for uh, minor league teams and I used to work for the, like the brewers and the Bucks. and they talk about like, Hey, these are just super fans. They'll buy every year, that type yeah. of thing. And they yeah. don't really worry about like keeping them happy. They're just like, Oh yeah, they're a fan of the team. They'll buy every year. But then on mm. the back end, you think about uh, what you guys are doing differently to set yourself apart by doing the auctions and by helping yeah. the, the teams out. That's what, 
makes like the brand, it humanizes baseballism. It's like, okay, baseballism is an awesome company. I'm going to keep going back because they supported my team to do this or this or yep. this. Yep. And yep. that's, that's amazing. And, um, obviously like you guys, you guys are doing so much. We just talked about like you got, you're about to go to spring training and, mm-hmm. um, obviously you have all these brick and mortar. What are you, what are you most excited about in 2019? 2019. I'm, Honestly, 2019, I'm most excited about not having to open a store (laughs) (laughs) because last year we opened four stores and we doubled our footprint. And so last year was just crazy. You know, like you're building four stores. You got you got things going wrong all the time. Like San Francisco, like the structure of the the building was like needed to be like rebuilt. So we had to spend extra money on that. And then you're balancing Chicago and Boston. Um, 2019, I'm looking forward to really just kind of digging into the the culture of each store, like the city yeah, and, and just really making them a part of the baseball community in that area and just really dialing in, you know, each store and giving it its, uh, its due diligence so that, um, they can be sustainable stores moving forward. Not that they aren't now, but make them as, as best as they can be. So it's kind of like this year is kind of a way to kind of dial in what we've accomplished so far and, and improve upon, you know, the, the eight stores that we've already built before we start going nine, 10, 11, 12, so that, Going forward, we know that each one, you know, what we need to do to make each one its best. And so that's what I'm looking forward to is kind of like kicking back a little bit. To yeah. Be honest. Sometimes you have to, though. Like yeah. um, when we first started, we, we struggled for about a month to two when people said we're spoiled. And I 100% we were spoiled. I'm not going to lie. Um, yeah. But we started like taking, 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 taking. And then we realized, wow, we have way too much going on. So like this winter... Yeah. We, sl- we slowed down hard. Like we were able to go to Portland because we slowed down so much because we need, like we weren't able to go. Like if we would have just kept going, we wouldn't have been able to connect with the people that were outside of just like maybe Chicago and Milwaukee. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. And because of that, like we've been, I was able to meet you and I was able to meet like people at Nike and all these places. Um, and it's something to be said to like, sometimes you just got to, you know, kick up your feet and just like appreciate what you've been able to build. Um, and I don't think oh, yeah. people do that enough. And like, I don't, I don't, I'll be 100% honest. I don't do it enough. Like if I, I'm on a podcast and people are saying, wow, you've done so much. That's when I'm actually reflecting. I'm like, damn, we actually have. Um, and it's, it's crazy. And moving forward, we're doing, we're, we're going to be putting a huge focus on just like, quirky little things that we we do like little events and everything like that uh-huh. um i know i know you um have an event space in portland um yeah and what what's been like the coolest event that you've been able to hold in the space so the coolest event was probably be like so portland's trying to bring a major league baseball team to portland it's called and the the, the group that's trying to do it is called the portland diamond project and so we held an event for them that had Russell Wilson and Ciara attend because Russell Wilson's an investor in the Portland Iron Project in trying to bring a, a team to Portland. Yeah. And so we had Russell Wilson and Ciara in baseballism doing an interview, a press conference for the project. So just having Russell Wilson and Ciara in, in the event <laughs> space automatically made it the coolest thing that we've done there. But like, yeah, just I mean, just seeing all the baseball people gather in our space, you know, once or twice a year is, is real great. Yeah. So it's yeah. Fun. yeah. <laughs> that's awesome dude i i think um there's something to be said about like 
obviously, like having those two massive names. I mean, you would consider Russell Wilson a celebrity. Both celebrities, yeah. like in there, that's yeah, oh, yeah, it's reputable in itself. And then as you bring in your brand and everything like that, yeah. and that your name was associated with them. That's that's amazing. And um, in Portland too, because Portland doesn't get you know. We don't have the NFL, obviously. So when you see a guy like Russell Wilson in Portland, it's a huge deal. Yeah, CR is a huge deal. So <laughs> it was it was a thing, man. We had like people in the parking lot just peering through the window. It was crazy. Whoa, that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> and like, we awesome. didn't advertise it really either. It was just like VIPs only, but there's still just like hundreds of people just surrounding our building. It was nuts. Oh my gosh, that's yeah. awesome. That's awesome. Um, you mentioned uh, Russell Wilson's an investor and. Um, to start off, you guys, or maybe you still are, um, but we are completely bootstrapped and there's something to be said about bootstrapping your business and, um, like moving, like if you were to look back and say, okay, Travis, um, maybe you could have taken investment here. Would you have, or like, would you have stayed completely bootstrapped to start or, like if you still are bootstrap, would you like right now and take on investment, anything like that? Because right now we're getting questions, uh, not just personally, but we get questions yeah. all the time. Like, should I take on investment? And I don't have any experience on that. And I'm only bootstrapping it. And I understand the need for investment some days when, yeah. Yeah. yo, I, I don't know, we're kind of tight right now, but like moving forward, what, what, what would be your advice on that? Ed? So in the beginning, um, Obviously, our, our three other co-owners, um, they bought in with me to start the brand. And so I, I knew that I needed help because I think my greatest strength is that I know my weaknesses. Yeah. And like I said, I hate math, accounting. <laughs> yeah. um, I'm not real big on sales either. And obviously, I'm not a lawyer. So, I mean, I knew I needed help early on. And, that, and that's what one thing that makes – what I think makes our business work so well is that I was able, from an early standpoint, know that I needed help. And I wanted guys to buy in and actually, you know, feel like they're a part of it. And so I got my three, three friends to buy in to it and, and we started this thing ourselves. And so it was kind of a necessary thing because I wanted to start something big and, and, and do something that was efficient and, you know, and wasn't going to put a, a ton of pressure on me on my weaknesses. Because if you got a lot of pressure on your weaknesses, you're in a lot of trouble, right? And if you're, if you're in it by yourself. And so it, it just really works for us. And kind of stemming off of that, I think you know, when you're when you're getting investors – a big thing is being able to get investors that are not in the same lane as you are. Yeah. So like if you're a comp- creative person, you may not want to have another creative person on board early on. If you are a finance person, you may not want to have two finance people early on. Like it's important to us for us to have like everyone has their own job. We do it well and we trust each other. And so if you're, you know, you're considering investors into your company, Make sure that there are people that can help you and not butt butt heads with you. I love I mean, that. That 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 that's huge for us. Um, on currently, if we didn't, you know, if we took on investors, it would just have to be the right person. I mean, like I can't yeah. say no, I can't say yes. But if the right opportunity comes up and it makes sense for the business, then I mean, we can talk for sure. But, yeah. Um, it just has to make sense. Right. I mean, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. But I think my 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 best advice is early on in the game how you're going to do it. And make sure you're not just doing it because this person has, you know, a million dollars that they want to invest. Make sure there's someone that, you know, that fits the business and, and that can do something to, to help you. I love that. And that's something that um, a lot of people struggle with. Like we, I've had people sit down with me and say, hey, 
Um, Izzy, I need help with, uh, I have this investor really trying to invest into my business and I just, he's in the finance space and I really need help in ops and he's not trying to help me or anything like that. And like in investments, I've never experienced hardcore with it, but I look at it more like if somebody want to invest, I, I look at it more in, as a partnership more than anything. Like you're coming on, you're going to be, if you want to be the fifth co-founder or you want to be the fifth yeah. founder, like you need to put in your due diligence. Yes, you're giving me money, but like I need help on this, yeah. this, and this, and you have expertise in all of that. And it's something that a lot of people struggle with, but then at the same time, if you find that right investor, like you said, um, you guys can get rocking and rolling like your three friends. Um, I mean, you, you got them to buy in and it, it really just, you buy into a brand and you buy into a community and a movement. Like, uh, you guys, you guys created waves very quickly and I, I applaud you. Um, thank you. Appreciate that, man. Yeah. And so our, our podcast used to be called their urban misfit show. Um, and starting off like we had, it, it made a lot of sense, um, Urban Misfit Ventures and then the whole Misfit thing. Um, and we just recently rebranded to Strange on Purpose. And yeah. uh, it's it's had a, like that. That title has been huge for us. And yeah. I got to right. ask, man, what makes you strange on purpose? Man, what makes me strange on purpose? That's, that's a tough one. <laughs> what makes me strange on purpose? Would it help if I I answered? Yeah, why don't you answer? Okay, first so like for me, like I'm strange on purpose because like I go against the norm in every realm. So um, if somebody's wearing a pair of off whites, um, I don't want to wear those off whites. Like I I know it's very like like I'm I'm a huge sneakerhead and I'll wear a pair of Pumas more than anything or Reeboks because I know more than likely if I come into the office, nobody's wearing Puma or Reeboks. And that's just me. Like I want to yeah. challenge the norm as much as possible. Yes, I'm on, I like I'm creating content on LinkedIn. Who wants to, no one thought about that other than obviously Q and some other like hardcore, like since the beginning co-founder or uh, influencers on the space. But like I'm creating content on LinkedIn where everybody creates on YouTube, on Instagram, on this, on that. And not saying I don't create for those channels, but um, that's what I do. I, I challenge the norm and I think that's what also makes me a misfit at the same time. All right. So I think I got, I see where you're going now. So I think my answer would be, I'm strange on purpose because I don't like reading instructional books. Ooh. Okay. Um, I dislike it. I mean, like a lot of people like to read, you know, like how to be a great CEO or how to do this fine or how to be creative. I feel like every time I read a book, it makes me be like someone else Yeah. because it's coming from someone else. So I rather create than read about how someone else created or how they say you should create because I want to I want to make my own path. Yeah. Like I kind of compare it to like making a putt in golf. You know, you can you can have a line where you hit it hard and straight and it'll go in, or you can hit it soft and it'll curve in. Like there are a million ways to make the same putt, and so I want to I want to make my own read. I want to I want to make my own putt. Yeah. So I mean that's that's my thing is I I I like being the first to think of an idea. I don't want to say, oh, this person told me to do this, so I'm going to do this. Yeah. And I think Are you it's, alluding it's to a, a future book here? What? Are you alluding to a future book written by you? No, I'm, I mean, <laughs> could be, but if I, if I stick to what I just said, then, then I'm not going to read it and no one else will. Right? <laughs> to me. It's going to be a book about not reading books. There you go. <laughs> 
for some reason that would be a bestseller in this country. Let's be honest. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah. And I like you were an athlete and I think athletics speaks a lot to entrepreneurship. And, um, like what, what about being an athlete has helped you like in your journey so far? Oh man, I just, I just love to compete, man. And I kind of see this whole business as a big competition really. Cause I mean, every day you go to work, there's, you know, five or six people trying to take the food off your table, trying to beat you. And so I just like to out, outwork those people. Yeah. I mean, I, I know there are competitors out there and, um, I just want to make sure that we're on top all the time. And so like, I hate sleeping. Like even in college, I would, I would go to the batting cage at, at midnight at one in the morning and, and take hacks because I knew that no one else or most people are not taking hacks at one in the morning. Yeah. And so it was my way of saying, you know what, I'm working when no one else is working. So that way I'm either catching up I'm, I'm, or I'm, you know, keeping my distance away from them or I'm even separating myself. Yeah. So if you work when no one else is working, that's the best way to do it because everybody practices two hours a day, right? right. Everyone, everyone goes to work for eight hours a day. How are you going to, how are you going to be on top if you're only doing what everyone else does? And so, and that's, that's, that's what I think makes separates us because we just love to compete, man. I mean, it's, it's a game to us and that we have to win. That's awesome. I love looking at it, like gamifying everything. And, yeah. um, like me and Q, uh, we both ran track at our, our local university um, Q dropped out by the way, but we won't talk about <laughs> that. Um, but he, so we both did this, uh, we both ran track and like, I think that's what helped us. Like we we're both very competitive with each other, whether it was being roommates, playing video games with each other or, um, like running, uh, obviously like Q's really long and like dingy and all that stuff. Oh, yeah, so yeah. he was really he fast. Was like yeah, yeah. Yeah. He was really fast. I was just really slow um but so like most of the time he beat me but like i would come home and like all right let's play 2k and i'd get my revenge on that end oh, but like go, yeah. honestly that's helped so much because we're ultra competitive within each other so us being the two sales le sales leads obviously i want to beat q and i want to make sure i have more yep. sales than q and yep. ultimately like that helps the company so much and gamifying everything has helped so much um so like like speaking of gamifying things you being in the the sports world, what like what do you think the advancements in tech is going to do to the sports industry? Um, like baseball and or just sports in general. Let's let's go uh, baseball to start, and then we'll we'll allude into sports. Oh, I think for baseball it'll help out because you know baseball is not like basketball where you have the LeBron James, Kevin Durant of the world that have you know. 30 million followers on Instagram. Yep. Um, typically baseball players don't have a huge following because one, you know, there's, there's, there's nine guys on the field and half and the other nine are in the dugout. So you don't get to see them a lot and there's 81 games. So people get bored and stuff like that. But I think what, what social media and uh, just, you know, technology in general will allow them to get on their platforms and kind of say who they are yeah. when they're off the field and, and, re, and get more followers. So it's not going to be like, you're not going to know Mike Trout just for who he is on the field. You're going to be able to go on his Instagram or you know whatever social platform he wants to find out who this person is, and you'll get to know players kind of more than just you know what you see on the field. It'll be who they are, you know where they live and stuff like that. I love. That. I think that was you big. I love that, and it, it's true. Like honestly, even in if you take the advancement in social media to just yeah. like business, like all these 
business moguls have huge personal brands because of social media. Like yeah. Mark Cuban, nobody like people knew of Mark Cuban because of Shark Tank, everything like that. But you go yeah. on his Instagram channels, he's one of the most followed persons in the world. Yep. Gary yep. V, same thing. Like dude has a cult more than likely. Um, and he's been able to like all these people have been able to build their brands. Um, mm -hmm. And then like if you start adding in even more tech, like you start eat, adding in like even the analytics side of baseball has been huge. And as tech starts to like creep yeah. into that um, and like even the Nike adapt basketball shoe just came out and that's going to be huge. Yeah. Like just being able to uh, real time report like, yeah, yeah, you were just running 15 miles an hour or whatever um, is huge. And I, I can't wait to see where the industry is going, but then yeah. also it's crazy. I was just talking to Q about this. Uh, I read something that said that the drone racing league is going to be within the next 10 years is going to be one of the, the fastest growing um, sports in the world. And yeah. I, I got to ask, do you consider the drone racing league an actual sport or do you just consider it like an e-sport? Man. So first of all, I got to correct myself because I think I just said baseball to 81 games. I know I was 162. So that <laughs> look really bad if you guys played that. But anyways, like, Man, I, I think NASCAR is a sport, so I don't see any reason why the drone league is a sport. It yeah. wouldn't be a sport. So I think it is a sport. I mean, like, because, like, people don't realize the physical toll or mentally, too, like, it takes to actually drive around a racetrack that many times. They're, I mean, they're driving for, like, hours at a time at 200 miles an hour. Yeah. And so, I mean, drone racing is just kind of a stem off of that, really. So I think the amount of focus that it takes you to actually, you know, just put on – your mind on one thing for that amount of time. I think, I think mental toughness is a toughness and that's physical. So, Oh yeah. I, I would say, I, I would say it is a sport. <laughs> well, dude, thank you for so much for jumping on. I'll, I'll keep you for a couple of minutes after, but, uh, okay. again, wanted to thank you. Um, wait, last question, actually, where can people find you? You can find us on uh, baseballism.com. Um, at baseballism on Instagram and Facebook, um, we got a huge Pinterest following too. If you, if you could believe that, really, at, yeah, at baseballism on that because we have a lot of quotes and stuff, so we have okay. a lot of people reposting that. And so, yeah, you can find us there. We have eight stores nationwide. Uh, let's see if I can get this. We got we'll go from West Coast to East Coast. We got Portland, um, Scottsdale, Arlington, Texas, Cooperstown, New York. So I ruined it already. We got Chicago, <laughs> um, Atlanta. And uh, and Boston. There you go. You got, nice. That's all right, I think. Yeah. Well, dope, dude. Thank you for thank you so much for jumping on. If uh, you want to follow Travis, obviously, uh, we'll have his links and everything like that yeah. to his social profiles and baseballism down below. Uh, but thank you again for jumping on, dude. I appreciate it, man. You guys are awesome. Thank you.